Happy uh, Happy Monday, everybody. It's another Monday. Another uh, week has passed of COVID, of quarantine. Uh, Mother's Day was just yesterday. We had a lovely, lovely day. Of course, um, I'm recording this on Mother's Day, so... Unless something catastrophically terrible happens in the next couple of hours, we had a pretty good day. We did a uh, little cookie bake online with my brothers and my mother, and then we had bre- or we had brunch first, and then we did the cookie bake, and then we chatted for a little bit, and then my wife spent a lot of the day sleeping, and uh, it was it was a good day. So um, I'm glad you're listening to Too Lazy to Write, the podcast that's now eight weeks straight of me. Um, and I think I've had eight uh, or maybe seven interviews, and I had originally thought that this week I was not going to have an interview, but then I uh, texted an old friend of mine, and I asked her, I said, hey, would you like to be on the nation's number one rated podcast, uh, J.D. Powers and Associate Award winner? And she said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll do it anyway. So she decided, she decided, she said she agreed to do it. And who do I have on this week? Well, if you're like me... Um, in these trying times, a lot of different questions come up, and how are, you know, how are different industries coping and dealing with it? And uh, one industry that everybody, uh, I think a lot of people, have been relying on is the news industry. So I got in touch with a former colleague, or my former colleague. She's still a colleague. Well, I don't work with her anymore. A uh, woman by the name of Patricia Bull, who is the co-anchor of the CTV News at Six in Ottawa, where I am from. And um, Trish, as, uh, as I call her, she does the news alongside uh, Graham Richardson. Uh, she's been doing it since 2016, I believe she's been at the co-anchor desk, or at the anchor desk. Um, but she's been doing this, she, this ain't her first rodeo. I mean, it's her first pandemic. It's everyone's first pandemic. Because, of course, you were around in 1917. Um, but I wanted to get an idea of how newsrooms are coping and they're adjusting. And, and, uh, we also talk about her children who, uh, one of them was halfway across the world. Uh, her husband who, um, his, he goes, he goes, he goes by the name of, uh, Gord Wilson and Gord is, uh, one half of the play-by-play team who does, uh, Ottawa Senators, uh, hockey. And uh, he was called back from uh, the West Coast during right right when they canceled the season. So that's interesting. We talk a little bit about that. And um, if you want to know about Trish, you can find out all of her information on uh, the ctvnews.ca website. And you go to Ottawa and then you go to uh, our team and you'll find out about her. But, you know, some of her career highlights um, that we talked about, she covered the Paul Bernardo trial back in 1995, I believe that was. Uh, she did some sideline sports reporting for the Ottawa Rough Riders. That's a long time ago. Um, she also hosted Overtime, a weekly show on uh, Rogers TV 22, Cable 22, about the Ottawa Senators. She was a Habs fan, but that changed when she moved to Ottawa, and uh, or when Ottawa got a team, I should say. And she also does a lot of philanthropic work in the nation's capital. So... We talked about a lot of things, and it was great. I got a good insight into what's been going on. Even I got to ask her about something that's been troubling or on my mind. Who's doing hair and makeup for all the anchors? And uh, you're going to have to listen to find out why. But I want to thank her. Oh, geez, that's a little bit of feedback there. I want to thank uh, Trish for agreeing to uh, to do that. 
And uh, here it is, the real John Baker talking to Patricia Bull. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Are we going right away or are we, are we having a chat first? Oh, we're going right away. No okay. chit-chat. Well, how are you? No chit-chat. I'll ask you first, how are you? How is everything there? Um, how is everything here? This has been uh, just a crazy, surreal time, but uh, we are all pretty good now, all things yeah. considered. But, I mean, like everyone, it's just it's strange, and we're all sort of in this alternate universe that we couldn't have imagined and waiting for things to get back to normal. But uh, we're all healthy and well now, well, that's, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, Gort had a little health scare uh, earlier, huh? Yeah, so so Gord um, travels with the NHL, with the Senators, uh-huh. and was on the plane when they were trying to decide whether they would cancel the NHL season back in March, and uh, they made the decision to cancel. They were supposed to be finishing up a road trip in California. They came home, and uh, people were like, oh, you were in California. That's a bit of a hot spot already, but I'm sure everything will be fine. But Gord had been sick for a couple of days before um, before getting back and then uh, proceeded to get a little bit sicker. So because he had actually had a previous health scare, a heart attack about a month before that, I said, maybe you should just get tested just in case, just for our yeah. peace of mind to know that it's not that. And uh, and he did. And it took a long, we had a big backup with testing here as they did many places. So it took a long time to find out. It was about 11 days as he was getting sicker and sicker and I was thinking I'm pretty sure he does have it and then it turned out that he did so yeah, yeah so we were right into it right from when he got home and um, it was uh, an interesting time wow but everybody's healthy now yes everyone's good everybody's home everyone is at home yeah yeah um, yeah, my daughter had been traveling, so that was a whole other story but she, my older daughter she is at home with us now so it's five of us here in the house are you going crazy yet <laughs> Um, so, well, I am, I am back at work. So we're going, right? Is this a podcast? Yeah, yeah. This is a podcast. Are we on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. And, and Trish, well, not, I mean, I'm going to edit it, but like, if you want to swear, if you just want to, you know, let your inner, you know, uh, you can know. say whatever. You can say whatever. No words are off limits, but I wouldn't want, you know, to besmirch your, your, uh, pristine image. So, yeah. <laughs> there was a great picture of you on the wall. Uh, at Walkley Road of a, it was like a fake scrum. Do you remember the picture I'm talking about? A fake scrum? I, I might remember a, the picture if it was a real scrum. Oh, maybe it was a real scrum. I, I thought it was a fake scrum and you were like, you know, practicing. And you had these <laughs> like glasses that on that did not belong in the decade that we were in. Uh, my awful glasses. So I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what that picture was. It was okay. very real. Okay, okay. And I have a copy of the picture somewhere. So uh, morning radio, right? Yeah. Steve Madeley show. Yeah. We had gone to Toronto. He okay. had taken his show on the road uh, to cover the final week of the Paul Bernardo murder trial. Oh, Remember? okay. Yeah. Paul Bernardo, you were here for that? Sure. Yeah, just horrific human being who was found guilty. And anyway, uh, we were, uh, he, Steve Madeley's setup was across the road from the courthouse. And I had come out, I think I had come running out right after the verdict early in the morning. So we'd been up broadcasting from five o'clock. So I had the glasses on, the awful, ugly glasses. That was probably the last <laughs> week I had those glasses. You know, the bangs that were curling up on the forehead, the whole yeah, thing. I, yeah. I'd come running out to let him know the guilty verdict, like 
you know, no one's grabbing a cell phone as they're running out of the courthouse then, right? Cell phones right. were pretty new. This was in 95. Ran out to give him the verdict, and then we looked across the way and said, I think the lawyer is coming out. So okay. I ran back, and I was actually the first one talking to the lawyer, so I was sort of dead center, and people started yes. to gather around. And then that's the picture, and it's a, it's career-wise, it was a great moment for this to happen, sure. and I look absolutely awful. I look like I'm participating in a fake radio scrum, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So, yeah, that picture was up on uh, CFRA News Director Steve Winogrand's wall for quite some time when we moved into our new building as well, and now I have a copy of it somewhere, but that's what it was. It up yeah. on Walkley Road. I love on, that uh, you think we get training in the media business, though. I There's money it, for I, training people. I thought it was somebody, maybe someone had told me it was training. I want to ask you first, um, compare the newsroom today to the newsroom of a year ago. How different are we looking at? Uh, it's very different. Um, it, it's different in, in some ways that it would have been anyway. This The pandemic kind of hit for us here in Ottawa at a time when our newsroom was going through massive change, and that's the phrase you hear associated with newsrooms all over all the time. But we were in a big shift in that we were going from the traditional camera and uh, reporter two-person system to uh, training people to work as what we call MSJs or multi-skilled journalists or what we've called video journalists in, in the past. Basically, they shoot their story, they edit their story, they oh, okay. voice their story, they do it all. So okay. we had just gone through... Uh, training for that, and, and big, a lot of people maybe could have used a little bit more training, but pretty well people were ready to go, and that became just an amazing thing because as we shifted with the pandemic and they were trying to move more and more people out of the newsroom and into their homes to reduce uh, the number of people that were crowded together in one space and keep people as safe as possible, we now have all our multi-skilled journalists, and there's 10 or 12 of them who are working regularly out of their home. Some of them are still out shooting and then going back to their homes to edit. Some who are, we have a couple who are married to healthcare workers and are pretty much in full-on self-isolation. They are doing everything from their home, FaceTime videos and whatnot. So all of those people are functioning and doing their job and not in the newsroom, and they wouldn't have been able to do that and make that work just months before. So that's that's kind of been a bonus for us, but it means they're at home. Our mm-hmm. digital team, our website people are at home. Some of our bosses are at home. Certainly there's no sales department. A lot of the radio shows, we have the four radio stations in the building with the TV station. They're all doing their shows from home. So, you know, if one of the things you love about a newsroom is that it's busy and there's lots of people with different personalities and there's action and there's talking and there's craziness, that's gone right now there's just a few of us holding down the fort with the phones ringing off the hook and it's a bit of a ghost town and that that part of it i think has been pretty pretty tough for everyone to adjust whether you're in the skeleton staff in the newsroom or you're out at home it's certainly been a challenge but then when you're in that skeleton staff newsroom and and six o'clock comes on for for your broadcast how Mm -hmm. are you because forgive i mean i haven't been watching Ottawa. i'm in virginia so but how far apart are you and graham well, we have a pretty big desk, and we're at opposite ends of the desk, and we're trying our best to keep people the correct distance apart, but there are certainly moments where you're a little bit closer, but 
we've tried our best to make that work and then you kind of feel like you have your own little work bubble too of the people that you do see regularly that you're in slightly closer contact with but trying to avoid it for any length of time but then you start to feel a little bit more comfortable with those people but but there is every effort made to keep spaces between you know the workspaces in the newsroom anyone who can stay upstairs in their office does uh, so there is there is surprisingly very little contact in getting the job done, but yeah, we're we're basically they measured it out and we're basically six feet apart sitting at that desk at, at six. So they they just pushed our chairs a little further to the end of the glass table. Right. So I can't reach over and punch him in the arm if he says something <laughs> to bug me now. <laughs> Was that a regular thing? Uh, no, no, not really. He's wonderful, but we uh, we do like to. Bug each other every now and then. For sure. Well, you. <laughs> yeah. How long have you guys been together for? So, um, I've been doing. I started doing the late night newscast there in 2013, but we've been doing the six o'clock together since 2016 officially, and I had filled in a, a bit for part of a year before that as well. So, so yeah, about four years now, I guess we have a bit of a rhythm going, and it's. Um, this is Graham Richardson. I'm talking about my co-anchor in Ottawa. Does this go out to a Canadian audience mostly? Honestly, your podcast, I, Patricia, it goes could go anywhere. Good I have I have one friend uh, who's a regular listener who lives in Wales, and uh, and only oh, know friend, Graham in Wales. He's got a huge fan base. In Wales. Use fan, oh, and yeah, your friend yeah. Glenna, I think, listens, and I know okay. she's going to listen to this. Um, no, Scott MacArthur may listen because I listened to five or ten minutes of you with Scott MacArthur. Yeah, Scott was and great. It was, yeah. is, you know what? You how many people have you seen go through that newsroom to move on to other networks, other positions uh, in television? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, some from before my time, some from my time. James Duffy from TSN is one of the yeah. first that jumps out at me. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of people who who started there and moved on. Breed some James, talented people. There was another sportscaster too, not just James. Who, oh, God, I can't remember. Jamie Campbell. Yeah, Jamie Campbell. Sportsnet, yeah. yeah. Is he, he still on Sportsnet? Um, I think he is. <laughs> I think so, so yeah. But you got your start in sports, right? Um, well, I started in news. I flipped around a little bit. So I started at CFRA in news doing the sure. fake scrums in Toronto for the Paul Bernardo murder trial. I'm sorry. I thought. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and so I was in news for a couple of years. And then mid-90s, I also started doing sideline reporting for CFRA yeah. for the Rough Rider Games, um, our Canadian football league team. Uh, and I absolutely love that. And that was all live sports reporting is the best. The energy of that is uh, irreplaceable. So I started doing a few more sports things, and then I had a chance to um, to move over to what used to be called headline sports, um, and then the score, which oh is basically um, a 24-hour sports channel. Yeah. And I was there at Ottawa and Montreal Bureau reporter. They didn't have a huge audience in Quebec, so they didn't have a full-time person in Montreal. So I went back and forth to Montreal quite a bit for several years, and Love that. It was an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, afforded me the opportunity to do lots of interesting things. Um, but then when that ended, uh, and I had my youngest child was two, and I sort of worked uh, part-time for a couple of years and then got back into first sports at CTV Ottawa and then moved back to the news side from there. It just seemed like sort of a natural full-circle progression and yeah. uh, it's been kind of a great second career with these guys at CTV. That's nice because... 
you don't have to, you know, run the road to Montreal anymore? No. I mean, I loved going there. I was a Habs fan growing uh, up. Fully sure. converted once the Senators came on board. But uh, yeah. but uh, I loved getting down to the Bell Center. But that drive, I don't know if you've done that drive between Ottawa and Montreal very oh, often in the winter. You get yeah. whiteout conditions half the time, and it's boring. I started taking the train after a little while because driving yeah. back after games was just exhausting. And um, So it was fun going to Montreal, but it's also that's all challenging when you have a family and your husband travels most of the time as well. So this is this is a much better family situation. I'm done at 7 and home by... Usually home, I say, I get home close to 8, but during the pandemic, I get home at 7.30 because there's no traffic on the road. So it, that's yeah. one bonus that I'll miss when everything goes back to normal. Yeah, so we went, so we live 25 minutes outside of uh, Washington. And okay. uh, we went in a few weeks ago to pick up dinner to some restaurant was doing like, you know, a you know curbside service and we wanted to help, we wanted to support them. And we drove into Washington at three on a, you know, Friday and there was nothing. It was so strange, like no traffic whatsoever. It is strange, yeah. right? Yeah, the only thing we saw actually were the stand-ups in front of uh, the White House was was like you know eight or ten bra- uh, news crews just doing their hits. So. Yeah, that's the same in downtown Ottawa. Of course, not as busy a place as as that would be, or in New York City. But it's still surreal to see this Byward Market area that's usually really busy in May, and with the long weekend coming yeah. here uh, next weekend in May, and you know tourists on Parliament Hill and whatnot. There's just almost no one and it's just so hard to imagine you know you never thought that you would see something like this so yeah it's different as a as a um i don't like i don't know like you're you're the the anchor you don't editorialize um as part of your job is that correct okay um that is mostly correct i would i mean we try to be as neutral as we can yeah. be i would say during you know uh it's 2020 and the news program has some entertainment elements too and we do you know have trending segments and we talk about Trump getting himself in trouble and we talk about a few things where every now and then there might be a little bit of an opinion that comes out but yes for the most part we try to stay neutral on the big topics but what what so then I'll ask you is this what have you seen as positives coming from the premier of Ontario because I know at the beginning this guy wasn't exactly the most popular guy in the world, but the feedback I've been hearing has been nothing but positive. Yeah. Nothing but positive until, nothing but positive until the last couple of days when he, he got in trouble because we found out he went to the cottage. Oh, yeah, I heard that. On yeah. Easter weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been telling everyone else not to go to the cottage. Yeah. What he did was zip up to check on something and zip back. I have no problem with that. I don't think he put anyone at risk, but of course, because right. he's telling everyone else to stay home, he comes under fire. Um, but I think... Uh, he has certainly uh, earned a lot uh, a lot of respect from a lot of people because he's been calm and cautious he's paid attention to the data and the numbers he's reacted he's been a little as as we start to put the reopening plans in place up here and Ottawa being right on the border with Gatineau the the two different approaches are being compared and Quebec is and they've scaled back a little bit too just in the last few days, but their approach has been to start reopening businesses a little bit more quickly. They have Mm -hmm. um, plans to open schools in the coming days. In Ontario, 
um, being much slower. At this point, schools are closed till the end of May. We're expecting they will end up being closed for the entire school year and wait to go back in September. Um, yeah. Businesses are very slowly starting to reopen. Uh, long-term care homes has been the crisis area for us here, and you might argue that the, the province was slower than they should have been to respond to that. There was a big effort to look after hospitals after seeing what was happening in New York, right, and emergency rooms, and New York is not far from us, and emergency mm-hmm. rooms being overloaded there. There was a lot of attention paid on, on you know, canceling the elective surgeries, making sure there was space and proper equipment in the hospitals and the, the long-term care homes probably got overlooked more than they should have in the initial days, so that's been a scramble. That's certainly where the bulk of our deaths have been. But he has since, the Premier has since been pretty um, retroactive in in getting teams in there and really prioritizing uh, testing of of residents in long-term care. So he he has been on it. He's given updates um, every day, and he hasn't had a, I wouldn't say, you know, unless you're upset about his his little trip to the cottage, he hasn't had really a major fumble through this. Um, so yeah, he's definitely earning some points with people in his handling of this kind of a crisis. Wow, I, I, I you know, living in an area where I would love to know what real leadership was like. Well, how are things in Virginia? Oh, God. Well, actually, I Virginia, think your numbers are similar to Ontario in terms of overall yeah, cases. I think, and I, I, lately we've seen a bit of a spike. Um, the schools were canceled. Pretty quickly, we had our last day, I think it was maybe May 13th, it was a Thursday. I might be getting my days wrong, but we had whatever that Thursday was of that week, uh, we went home, didn't come back. And I think maybe by the Monday or Tuesday, it was, okay, we're canceled for the rest of the year. They were slow to get uh, online learning going in our school board, um, but I, I just don't think they were prepared. They were not prepared to have, you know, 20, 30,000 students all online at the same time, and they their system kept crashing. But, um, well, it's tough, but, right, because every student is differently equipped at home, and there are yeah. kids that don't have the technology or kids that parent, whose parents are working from home and, and they're accessing the one computer in the home or, or different situations, right? Yeah, no, so, yeah, and, and the, the school board did go out of their way to make sure everybody who needed a, a laptop was able to get a laptop, uh, which is a huge undertaking, but it, it worked. They did, you know, book your time, come to the you know parking lot and we'll give you one um so that's been good unfortunately i had a so i had a job at the school um working with uh kids with special needs uh, it was a contract position and i think just because well a i was like last hired um but i also think because of the budget they, they've you know i'm not going back next year which is fine um i'm gonna miss those kids because they were pretty great i do get to see them though online you know, twice a week, which is still a lot of fun. And I get to meet their parents too, which I never got a chance to do. So right. That's, um, that's, that's an amazing good. job though. Is, is there a cutback in the numbers of people that will be doing what you're doing or is it? Well, I think I was hired to fill a role. I don't know if that role is necessary next year. I think we're seeing a lot of graduates. The, the system I work in, the kids can be there until they're 22. Um, or if they're, able to graduate, you know, beforehand, but they can max out, they max out at 22. I think we're seeing a lot of kids leaving this year and maybe enrollment isn't as robust next year. So I'm holding out that they're going to call me in July and say, we need you. We love you. We want you back. Yeah. I feel good that that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling the vibe so. from here. What I want um, to know also though, is who's doing hair and makeup for you guys? How's that working? Yeah. How is that working? 
Um, our makeup person is at home. Uh, she prepared kits for us, and then she was told okay. she had to go home. So we're doing what we can with our own makeup. The hair is the big issue, right? Um, I don't want to shock yeah. you, John, but a lot of people working in TV don't have their natural hair color. Whoa! <laughs> um, and I'm at that lovely age where I've got the roots coming in that are dark in spots and then slightly gray in other spots, so I've got a little bit of craziness happening. So my kids actually helped me sort of cover up the roots right before okay. I went back okay. to work because I had been working, I don't know if you know this, but I was doing our broadcast from the backyard for a while oh, while we were waiting that. for my husband, we were waiting for my husband's test results. Yeah, we uh, Graham was in the newsroom and I was in the backyard at that point because we had to self isolate until we knew what uh, my husband's result was. Um, wow. So and then when it was positive, I I stayed off the air actually for for several days until going back. So right before going back, um, my kids were brave enough to try doing the roots for me. It worked out not too badly, and now I've been back long enough that I was just looking at it today and thinking I better do something again. But <laughs> our national anchor Lisa Flam is on there every day. She has beautiful thick dark hair, and she's yeah. got the silvery gray coming through, and she's just letting it go, and it looks amazing on her. So, I mean, this has been a little bit of pulling back the curtain on people, right? Yeah. You're, you're seeing the real deal, and it's, it's, I don't think it's as shocking and horrifying as maybe we thought it might be, but uh, all of us are a little self-conscious. But, yeah, we're trying to fix ourselves up before we go on air and talking every day about how much we miss L.A., who's our magical uh, makeup person. We just have the one person she'll help with hair, too, and I have sort of that the long hair that's more difficult that I keep thinking, I wish I'd cut it or I wish I'd done something differently before all this happened, but... Uh, who knew? Who was thinking beauty and preparing for a pandemic? So you're you're in a position though <laughs> with your with your influence. Get a perm and bring the whole thing back. Bring the whole what natural hair color? No, I think you should get a perm. No one's doing oh, perms oh. anymore. <laughs> and you'll be and get those glasses back that oh yeah to wear back in the nineties and yeah. <laughs> and and poor JJ, he's retired, and he's not going to yes. get the party that he so rightly would deserve. Uh, I hope we have a chance for a party for him at some point. His health has not been the greatest, so it's been uh, tough. But uh, even now, we can't get together at all. We've been waiting for a time to get together and sit down and, and talk old old times and until people are allowed to socialize together. That can't happen. So, yeah, hopefully that, that happens soon. What uh, an amazing guy. I've never worked with anyone before, certainly not in Ottawa, where you don't think of us having stars, but people watched CTV Ottawa and what used to be CJOH for, for years and years and years. JJ was on there for 34 years, and when we'd go out into the community on location, um, you know, it was a little like you were walking around with Drake and people just desperate to, <laughs> to get up close and get a picture and say, my mom loves you, my grandma loves you, I always watched you when I was a kid, and they're going to be so thrilled that I met you, and he'd take time for everyone, and it was it was really, really cool just to see how he was out in the community and how loved he was. And, you know, I watched him too when I was pretty young and then to yeah. get a chance to, to sit beside him for a few years. And, there, you know, broadcasters of all different stripes, but there are those pros that you can just say absolutely anything to at any point and they don't miss a beat and they come back with something and right. just, they have that rhythm and they're on their game. And he was, he was one of those guys. It was a great experience to work with him. Well, so you grew up in Ottawa, right? I did, yeah. So yeah, I went to university in Montreal, but otherwise I've been here. And so I grew up in Ottawa too. And then when I was able to get a job at at the radio station, probably the same might could be said for you. Like you got to meet those people that you listened to or watched, and it was it was a bit of a thrill, wasn't it? Or isn't it? 
Hal Anthony. Sure. Were you there for Hal Anthony? Absolutely. Or were you after? No. I um, I loved him, and my parents loved him, and he was so great. Yeah. I had the pleasure of splitting Christmas Day shifts with him the first year. I think he was working the morning, Christmas morning, because there were still newscasts that had to happen. And because his he was older and his kids were older, he volunteered to do the Christmas morning shift on the air. And then I did not have kids yet, so I said I was cool to do the later day Christmas shift. Maybe I didn't say that. Maybe they told me I was doing it sure. and I didn't have a choice. So I come in to, to switch the shift at 1 and he pulls a bottle out of the drawer and says, Merry Christmas, bowl, and sit down. And we sat and shared a drink on Christmas. And I thought, this is like one of the best Christmases ever because I'm just sitting having drinks on my own with Hal Anthony. (laughs) And he had a million stories and it was great. I remember walking with my dad through um, Canadian Tire Center like years ago. I don't even think it was called Canadian Tire Center then. It was one of its many incarnations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bumped into Steve Madeley and I was, you know, I talked to him and I introduced him to my father. And as we left, my dad was like, you know, Steve Madeley? I was like, yeah, dad, I, I work with him. <laughs> I see him regularly. He was like, oh, that's amazing. Like all of a sudden I was like, what I did was like legit. <laughs> that's cool. It's funny yeah. when it flips too. We have a director in the newsroom who's just a young guy who's great. And he's, he's in his early twenties. And uh, he, told me one one day that he had brought his dad in on the weekend I guess and walked him through the building and his dad was kind of interested to see the TV area because you know the TV studio and people like that but then they went upstairs to the radio stations and then uh, they were checking out the different radio stations and this is what he said to me anyway so I trust him and he showed him the TSN 1200 studio and and oh TSN I love those guys and this young director said oh I work with um Gord Wilson's wife like she's our our anchor downstairs oh my god you work with Gord Wilson's wife I love Gord Wilson so he's passing this along to me the backhanded uh, compliment that I'm associated with someone who's who's cool but it's it's kind of funny when it flips and and it's the younger people who are he's saying well, I kind of got some credibility with my dad because hey I work with the wife of someone that he loves yeah it's full circle we I remember meeting this is not uh, meeting a broadcaster, but back when I was working on Carling Avenue, uh, Corey Hart came in and everybody went up to him and was like, oh, I remember seeing you open for the Culture Club. And at one point he was like, okay, was everybody at that fucking show? <laughs> Corey Hart. Yeah. You have a Corey Hart story? <laughs> do you know that I have a Corey Hart story? You do? No, I didn't know that. You didn't. Okay. <laughs> No, well, Corey Hart was the very first concert that I ever saw in Ottawa when I was 15 years old with two friends. One friend uh, cried her eyes out as we were walking out, just just amazed that she had seen this this person. You know that first concert experience, right? You've been listening to these people, but we barely even had videos then, so you had no contact with them. You certainly weren't checking their Instagram account every day, and then to be close and hear him and whatever she was in tears she was so overcome it was just that kind of amazing first concert experience even though you know Corey Hart's Canadian singer how could he be that big but <laughs> we love that moment we always bug her for years and years you cried at Corey Hart oh my god and then uh last year he was when he was sort of coming back out of retirement a little bit and touring through I had a chance to go interview him really and tell him that he was my first 
and I think I made him blush when I said you were my first. <laughs> I'm sure he's heard it from people before. And tell him that I'm my friend and bald her eyes out and had a great interview with him. He's a great, great guy to talk to. He's a huge tennis fan, as I am. His kids play okay. tennis. So we had lots to talk about, and it was uh, it was awesome. And that was, was certainly a thrill to uh, to meet him all those years later. So I was 15 when I interviewed him, so that was uh, 34 or so years later. Yeah. No, so, I don't want to know. I'm not, not going to ask how old you are. <laughs> Or how much I weigh. That's good. Yeah, no, we don't care about that on this podcast <laughs> with 12 people. I'm I'm banking on your celebrity to launch this to a whole new stratosphere. Well, you've already got whales covered, so where could we take it? <laughs> exactly. I did once interview a friend who, he's from Ottawa, but now he lives in um, Australia, so maybe he'll listen and we'll, we'll, we'll go across the globe, I hope. So I, I'm slowly sort of learning about podcasts and getting on board. My daughter, who is 23, loves podcasts and is always listening. And she, when all of this happened, she was traveling basically her post-university year. She was spending a year traveling around the world. And she was in New Zealand as all of this was happening. She was supposed to go to Asia. She had canceled that because the coronavirus had started in Asia. We knew it wasn't going to make sense. It wasn't going to be feasible. But she was trying to figure out whether her plans could still continue and we basically devised a plan that she was going to fly back to Australia where my brother lives so if she needed family support she would have it and it didn't look like it was going to be very bad on that side of the world so she would probably be okay to stick it out until her return flight home in June and just skip the whole Asia experience and she would work for a family there and whatnot and then as this was all developing and she's in New Zealand where it was very under control there so she wasn't feeling it quite the way we were feeling it, reading the developments every day. And she said she'd wake up every morning and there'd be a frantic text from me saying, okay, I think we've got to change things up. I think you better come home. Oh, the prime minister says everyone needs to come home now. You got to... And she's like, mom, you got to stop doing this to me. We've got to figure out what we're doing. And I said, this is unprecedented. Like we really thought the original plan was going to be okay. And then plan B was going to be okay. And then finally we were in a mad scramble saying, no, you just got to come home. They're canceling flights. We don't know what's going to happen. You need to be in your own country where you're entitled to support if you need it and not, you know, so her plans completely messed up. She's been listening to a lot of podcasts since she's been back home and uh, teaching English to kids back in China online for a few hours a day to make a little bit of money. So I'll get her to listen to you, and then yeah. when she goes back to Australia and New Zealand, she can take it over there and, and make you, would, John Baker, huge. And she should down so under. I have, I've had many, many, you know, guests of all uh, backgrounds. I've had musicians, I've had comedians. I've had, do you remember, I, I'm so proud of this, do you remember a band from the 80s called the House Martins? Uh, I should, right? Well, no, not real. I mean, they were they were not huge but um i was able Can to you sing I, something no god no i'm not gonna sing anything <laughs> um, but i like twitter's amazing because i just reached out to a, i reached out to a few people through twitter and they've been gracious enough to to come on i was able to interview the lead guitarist from the band who's now a lovely he's well he's a lovely man but he's a grandfather living in you know outside of london it's it's been cool it's been cool that is some people. that is awesome it's it's my favorite part of this business is just to interview and talk to people who are really, really interesting and have fascinating stories to tell. And it's amazing how gracious some of those people who are very, very busy and very involved are when they they give you, you know, a chunk of their time like that. And it's it's wonderful. And when it is someone that you've, you know, kind of admired for years and years that goes back to to earlier days, it's 
pretty special. I had that opportunity with um, Alex Trebek when he was through here. Yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, I I remember seeing some pictures on Facebook that you posted. What was that like? It It was a very brief interview, and we weren't sure it was going to happen at all because he was in town in Ottawa for an event uh, for the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, uh-huh. and he was not feeling well. Obviously, he was already well into his cancer battle at that time, but they were amazed that he was able to be here for the event, and they planned a few things in his day, and so we had this interview scheduled, but everything was subject to change. If he wasn't feeling well and he got through the event and that was all he was up to, then um, you know, absolutely no problem. The interview wouldn't happen, and everyone understood that. But uh, he was doing really well that day, and he made the time, and he had just a couple of other interviews scheduled. And we didn't have a long chunk of time, but we had enough time. And I was in the room while he was doing some other things, and I got to watch him for a little while. Uh-huh. And uh, that was really cool, too, because I'm a, I'm a Jeopardy junkie. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to that. And I yeah. PBR all the episodes and watch a bunch on my couch on the weekend. And uh, he has Ottawa memories. He was here for a number of years. Uh, went to the University of Ottawa and um, school here before that. So, but he was just so, so gracious, so warm. You know, taking them the couple of minutes to ask about you, which not everyone right. does. And he had to do. Um, I think this was for the CBC, but he had to do a little promotion in in French and English. And he spoke the French beautifully. And he glanced at the line and had it memorized and. You know, he's 80, and he'd just rhyme it off, and it was just really cool to, to watch him in action and get a chance to speak with him. That was, yeah, a little bit of a Jeopardy nerd. Yeah, it's funny moment for me. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to get a um, a question writer from Jeopardy on the podcast, and every time I, ca- I reach out to their PR person, she replies like, now's just not a great time. <laughs> Oh. And, I mean, just because everything's changing, right? So, so that rapidly. that would be awesome. What a dream job that would be to write the questions. I know. I have so many questions for the question writer. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to listen to that episode of the podcast. So, if and when that happens, you need to let me know. Oh, I know. I, absolutely. I was going to say, if your daughter is uh, looking for uh, something to listen to. One of my favorites, and it's on hiatus right now, it's, it's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And it's <laughs> and not. You want me to suggest that to my absolutely. daughter? Absolutely. <laughs> because here's, here's the deal with it. So it's actually not a podcast. They've, they've gone on tour. She's probably heard of it. They've like sold out, you know, the Sydney Opera House and the Royal Albert Hall and, and um, Radio City Music Hall. But it's this British man whose father has written this terrible terrible erotic fiction and every week the, him and two of his friends get together and they read a chapter and comment on it and uh it's it's hysterical you can listen to it as a family oh my <laughs> oh, even with a 13 year old oh of course 100 percent with a 13 year old he's seen it all he's heard it all anyway all right that's great i'm checking that out my yeah. dad wrote a porno my dad wrote a porno and it's, okay. I think, four or five seasons, because uh, I think the father had only written, like, three books, but then once it took off, he wrote two more. Um, and, uh, yeah, they go on tour. My wife and I went to a show in Washington, and it's hysterical. Like, they, they read, a like, a lost chapter, and people dress up as characters from the book, and um, it's just an experience. It is a crazy experience. I'm wow. going to all this out. <laughs> so, you're, 
Yeah, well, yeah. If they would promote my podcast, then I'd promote theirs. But no, they're not. So fuck them. Not yet. Working not progress. Yet. I appreciate you not swearing on this. Not that I expected you to. You're a very classy person. Less, less work for you as the editor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you for doing this, Trish. I really appreciate this. This has been great. No problem. I don't know if we talked at all about what we were supposed to talk about, but uh, it was a pleasure no, to speak with you. I wanted to know what's been going on in, in you know the news and how the cycle of news has changed and shifted. And Actually, let me, before I say goodbye, um, before like the newscast was very segmented, right? You would do local stories, national stories, throw it to weather, do sports. And what's been the change in, in the in the run of the show? Um, well, again, that that's sort of been evolving, still very segmented when it comes to weather, which is still the number one thing anyone wants to know about, even in the middle of all this. By the way, <laughs> minus three, we set a record today, and yeah. snow and hail. Yeah, yeah great time. <laughs> but we don't have a sports cast per se anymore. We just insert sports stories where we feel they kind of belong within the show. And then, of course, yeah, the first part of the show for weeks and weeks has just been dominated by COVID. So, you know, early days, it was a lot more of the international stories. And then it's the stuff closer to home. And then you kind of fill in the gaps with what's going on in the States and our border being closed with the U.S. right now, except for essential workers, yeah. which is still a lot. There's still a lot of trucks going through. It's still a lot of... So we're very interested in what's happening in New York or in the states that, that border us, and so there's quite a bit of American news that's on there as well, less and less of the international, but that whole first chunk of the newscast is this many cases in Canada, this many cases in Ontario, these many deaths. This is where the epicenter is. It's still sort of that, but we're seeing it start to slide, the people focusing a lot more on the reopen, the new yeah. normal, and they're just fatigued of the talking about a virus 24-7. Yeah. So, you know, it's shifting. But in the early days, there was just a hunger for knowledge and trying to figure out how this was going to affect all of us and, and, and just shock at what was in the news. Like, we really couldn't believe, and this goes back to trying to make this decision with my daughter, that the entire world was essentially going to shut down for a few months. Like, it's, yeah. it's wild. So it's it's definitely been the biggest evolving news story that we've that I've ever covered in my career. I mean, we've had some big moments, but this is just one that's gone on and on, and it's there's a surprise in it for you every day. And speaking of surprises, have you have any feel I'll call them feel good stories? Has, has any feel good story really stood out to you that you've seen come across your desk or been broadcast on CTV? Mm. There have been, uh, yeah, there have been a lot of little moments that have been really sweet. Just, you know, people making the effort to do something special for someone who's stuck in in their home or in a long-term care home. You know, when you see the the person get in the crane to get up to the second window to to uh, share a message with someone that they love in there. Um, we had a, a gentleman who's in the Ottawa hospital and has been in the Ottawa hospital battling a couple of things for quite some time. And he decided he wanted to do the, uh, the Ottawa race weekend, which is a big marathon event here. Every May has gone virtual this year. It's not happening physically. So people can still do their own runs and then document them. So he did his marathon in the hallways of the hospital, um, 40, 42 K plus a little bit, I think. And then when he was finishing a couple of days ago, all the staff came out and, 
and were there to applaud him and give him the medal. And I've been doing this this series of stories called Frontline Diaries, which is with some of these healthcare workers that are doing all these extra things, right? Because they're the people who are there. There's no visitors. There's no one else right. getting in. So they're taking those extra roles in addition to having the massive workload that they do. They're also the ones that are being the family and being the friends and, and sitting with people in their last moments or sitting with people when it's just a boring day and there's there's no one else there. And then to see them all get together and cheer this this 66-year-old on who just finished a marathon in the halls. I can barely get out to walk the dog, and he's just finished his marathon. Um, that was that was a really lovely moment, and there's been a lot of those. That, that you know, it's simple things, right? People being there for for other people, and yeah. And I guess the silver lining in all of this for for all of us is that time with family, and that's hopefully what we'll remember. My the 23-year-old that I mentioned having to come home spent so much time with my 15-year-old who's been missing her for the last few years. She's been away for university, and they've just had these chunks of time together and lying in bed watching movies and going out talking. And I really think that that's going to be her dominant memory of this experience when it's all over is this extra time she got to spend with her sister that she never imagined she'd have. And I hope all the negative stuff kind of falls away for us and we focus on those positives. See, that's what I'm going to end it. That was a positive ending. I like that. There you go. <laughs> um, I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day tomorrow. Thank you. Um, to your wife you as a, well. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. And um, I want to thank you for doing this. This was great. I really appreciate it. And No problem at all. Good luck with it. And I hope things work out well for you on other fronts as well. Thank you. Stay safe and uh, keep washing your hands, etc. <laughs> you too. Maybe we'll see you in Virginia one day. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Coffee is on me when you make it down here. All right. And the rest of it's on me. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, okay. Dinner. I'll, I'll get you back. How's that? <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right. Take you'll, good care, John. No, you know what you'll do? Hold on. You'll tag along with Gord when they're in town to play the Caps. And, yes. Uh, okay. We'll make an evening out of it. I'll, I, my, we'll go to a hockey game and, and uh, I could show you parts of D.C. that I know. We we really should. That's the trip that I've been meaning to do. My daughter did a school trip to D.C. and taught us everything, and I have actually never been. So it's the trip that I've got to do. So Yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on. And then you'll get to Nashville eventually, I hope. Oh, I hope. I call it my favorite city I've never been to. Oh, you're going to love it. Every, uh, every time Gord's there, he's... He says, "Oh, you'd love the music in this in this bar. Oh, it's all. Oh, this place is better. Oh, you, you wish you were here. This is so great. Oh my God, just stop, just stop." Has he ever brought you a Google cluster? No. What's that? Oh, you gotta ask me if he's ever had one. It's this decadent, uh, chocolatey peanut butter dessert that uh, the the factory and shop is right across the street from the Johnny Cash Museum. Um, oh. And it's oh, all. That it's sounds all, amazing. Ask him about the, if he's had a Google cluster. All right. I'm doing that right now. Do Google it. Google cluster. And give him my best. Please say hi I will. for me. Okay. okay. Take care. Steph, take care. Bye. Bye. So the interesting thing about that was I had no idea she had a Corey Hart story. But I think it's um, it's somewhere in the Canadian Constitution and the Bill of Rights or the Charter of Rights and freedom that every um, Canadian has to either have a story about Gordon Lightfoot. It all depends on your age, right? So you either have to have a story about Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Rush, Sarah McLaughlin, Corey Hart, Drake, uh, Justin Bieber, Anne Murray, 
Anne Murray is one you need to have a story about, or Paul Anka. It's just in the Bill of Rights and Freedom and the Constitution. I want to thank Patricia Bull for being part of the podcast. And now I know it's going to blow up because, I mean, she's got a, a following. And her daughter, who we talked about, listens to podcasts. She's going to listen to this one. She's going to listen to past ones. She's going to go, oh my God, I can't believe that he interviewed uh, Stan Cullimore from uh, the House Martins or John Ford from the Monks or, uh, you know, Teddy Kumpel, or Doug Yole, or Angela McCluskey. I forgot I interviewed Angela. Oh, that was wonderful. Anyway, who knows what's going to be next week. I want to thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at the Real John Baker. You can find me on Facebook. We're probably friends. Uh, you can find me on the website, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word right, dot com. Put your comments there. Thank you for listening. I want to thank Trish again because it was uh, it was great to talk to her. And take care of yourself. Keep washing your hands. Keep wearing your masks. Keep doing what you're doing. We're going to flatten the curb. And uh, God willing, we get back to normal. Take care of yourselves. Bye for now. Too lazy to write Where anything can happen And everyone is welcome With the real job